Chapter 19 of The Men and the Iron Mask by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. King and Noble The king endeavored to recover his self-possession as quickly as possible, in order to meet Monsieur de la Fere with an untroubled countenance. He clearly saw it was not mere chance that had induced the comte's visit. He had some vague impression of its importance, but he felt that to a man of Athos's tone of mind— to one of such a high order of intellect, his first reception ought not to present anything either disagreeable or otherwise than kind and courteous. As soon as the king had satisfied himself that, as far as appearances went, he was perfectly calm again, he gave directions to the ushers to introduce the comte. A few minutes afterwards, Athos, in full court dress, and with his breast covered with the orders that he alone had the right to wear at the court of France, presented himself with so grave and solemn an air that the king perceived, at the first glance, that he was not deceived in his anticipations. Louis advanced a step toward the comte, and with a smile held out his hand to him, over which Athos bowed with an air of the deepest respect. "'Monsieur le comte de la Fere, said the king rapidly, "'you are so seldom here that it is a real piece of good fortune to see you.' Athos bowed and replied, I should wish always to enjoy the happiness of being near your majesty. The tone, however, in which this reply was conveyed, evidently signified, I should wish to be one of your majesty's advisers, to save you the commission of faults. The king felt it so, and determined in this man's presence to preserve all the advantages which could be derived from his command over himself, as well as from his rank and position. I see you have something to say to me he said. Had it not been so, I should not have presumed to present myself before your majesty. Speak quickly. I am anxious to satisfy you, returned the king, seating himself. I am persuaded, replied Athos, in a somewhat agitated tone of voice, that your majesty will give me every satisfaction. Ah! said the king, with a certain haughtiness of manner, you have come to lodge a complaint here, then? It would be a complaint, returned Athos, only in the event of your majesty, but if you will deign to permit me, sire, I will begin the conversation from the very commencement. Do so. I am listening. Your majesty will remember that at the period of the Duke of Buckingham's departure I had the honor of an interview with you. At or about that period, I think I remember you did, only with regard to the subject of the conversation, I have quite forgotten it. Athos started, as he replied, I shall have the honor to remind your majesty of it. It was with regard to a formal demand I had addressed to you respecting a marriage which Monsieur de Bragelonne wished to contract with Mademoiselle de la Valliere. Ah, thought the king. We have come to it now. I remember, he said aloud. At that period, pursued Athos, your majesty was so kind and generous towards Monsieur de Bragelonne and myself, that not a single word which then fell from your lips has escaped my memory, and, when I asked your majesty to accord me Mademoiselle de la Valliere's hand, for Monsieur de Bragelonne, you refused. Quite true said Louis dryly. Alleging, 
Athos hastened to say, that the young lady had no position in society. Louis could hardly force himself to listen with an appearance of royal propriety. That, added Athos, she had but little fortune. The king threw himself back in his armchair. That her extraction was indifferent. A renewed impatience on the part of the king. And little beauty, added Athos pitilessly. This last bolt buried itself deep in the king's heart, and made him almost bound from his seat. "'You have a good memory, monsieur,' he said. "'I invariably have, on occasions, when I have had the distinguished honor of an interview with your majesty,' retorted the comte, without being in the least disconcerted. "'Very good. It is admitted that I said all that.' and I thanked your majesty for your remarks at the time, because they testified an interest in Monsieur de Bragelonne, which did him much honor. "'And you may possibly remember,' said the king very deliberately, "'that you had the greatest repugnance for this marriage?' "'Quite true, sire.' "'And that you solicited my permission, much against your own inclination?' "'Yes, sire.' And finally, I remember, for I have a memory nearly as good as your own, I remember, I say, that you observed at that time, I do not believe that Mademoiselle de la Valliere loves Monsieur de Bragelonne. Is that true? The blow told well, but Athos did not draw back. Sire, he said, I have already begged your majesty's forgiveness, but— there are certain particulars in that conversation which are only intelligible from the denouement. Well, what is the denouement, monsieur? This, that your majesty then said that you would defer the marriage out of regard for monsieur de Bragelonne's own interests. The king remained silent. Monsieur de Bragelonne is now so exceedingly unhappy that he cannot any longer defer asking your majesty for a solution of the matter. The king turned pale. Athos looked at him with fixed attention. "'And what?' said the king with considerable hesitation. "'Does Monsieur de Bragelonne request?' "'Precisely the very thing that I came to ask your majesty for at my last audience, namely, your majesty's consent to his marriage.' The king remained perfectly silent. The questions which referred to the different obstacles in the way are all now quite removed for us, continued Athos. Mademoiselle de la Valliere, without fortune, birth, or beauty, is not the less on that account the only good match in the world for Monsieur de Bragelonne, since he loves this young girl. The king pressed his hands impatiently together. "'Does your majesty hesitate?' inquired the comte, without losing a particle of either his firmness or his politeness. "'I do not hesitate. I refuse,' replied the king. Athos paused a moment as if to collect himself. "'I have had the honor,' he said in a mild tone, "'to observe to your majesty,' that no obstacle now interferes with Monsieur de Bragelonne's affections, and that his determination seems unalterable. "'There is my will, 
and that is an obstacle i should imagine that is the most serious of all athos replied quickly ah and we may therefore be permitted to ask your majesty with the greatest humility your reason for this refusal the reason a question to me exclaimed the king a demand sire the king leaning with both his hands upon the table said in a deep tone of concentrated passion you have lost all recollection of what is usual at court at court please to remember no one ventures to put a question to the king very true sire but if men do not question they conjecture Con conjecture what may that mean monsieur very frequently sire conjecture with regard to a particular subject implies a want of frankness on the part of the king monsieur and a want of confidence on the part of the subject pursued athos intrepidly you forget yourself said the king hurried away by anger in spite of all his self-control sire i am obliged to seek elsewhere for what i thought i should find in your majesty instead of obtaining a reply from you i am compelled to make one for myself the king rose monsieur le comte he said i have now given you all the time i had at my disposal this was a dismissal sire replied the comte i have not yet had time to tell your majesty what i came with the express object of saying and i so rarely see your majesty that i ought to avail myself of the opportunity just now you spoke rudely of conjectures you are now becoming offensive monsieur oh sire offend your majesty i never all my life through i have maintained that kings are above all other men not only from their rank and power but from their nobleness of heart and their true dignity of mind i never can bring myself to believe that my sovereign he who passed his word to me did so with a mental reservation what do you mean what mental reservation do you allude to i will explain my meaning said athos coldly if in refusing mademoiselle de la valliere to monsieur de bragelonne your majesty had some other object in view than the happiness and fortune of the vicomte you perceive monsieur that you are offending me if in requiring the vicomte to delay his marriage your majesty's only object was to remove the gentleman to whom mademoiselle de valliere was engaged monsieur monsieur i have heard it said so in every direction sire your majesty's affection for mademoiselle de la valliere is spoken of on all sides the king tore his gloves which he had been biting for some time woe to those he cried who interfere in my affairs i have made up my mind to take a particular course and i will break through every obstacle in my way what obstacle said athos the king stopped short like a horse which having taken the bit between his teeth and run away finds it has slipped it back again and that his career is checked i love mademoiselle de la valliere he said suddenly with mingled nobleness of feeling and passion but interrupted athos that does not preclude your majesty from allowing monsieur de bragelonne to marry mademoiselle de la valliere 
the sacrifice is worthy of so great a monarch it is fully merited by monsieur de bragelonne who has already rendered great service to your majesty and who may well be regarded as a brave and worthy man your majesty therefore in renouncing the affection you entertain offers a proof at once of generosity gratitude and good policy mademoiselle de la valliere does not love monsieur de bragelonne said the king hoarsely does your majesty know that to be the case remarked athos with a searching look i do know it since a very short time then for doubtless had your majesty known it when i first preferred my request you would have taken the trouble to inform me of it since a very short time it is true monsieur athos remained silent for a moment and then resumed in that case i do not understand why your majesty should have sent monsieur de bragelonne to london that exile and most properly so too is a matter of astonishment to every one who regards your majesty's honor with sincere affection who presumes to impugn my honor monsieur de la fere the king's honor sire is made up of the honor of his whole nobility whenever the king offends one of his gentlemen that is whenever he deprives him of the smallest particle of his honor it is from him from the king himself that that portion of honor is stolen monsieur de la fere said the king haughtily sire you sent monsieur de bragelonne to london either before you were mademoiselle de la valliere's lover or since you have become so the king irritated beyond measure especially because he felt that he was being mastered endeavored to dismiss athos by a gesture sire replied the comte i will tell you all i will not leave your presence until i have been satisfied by your majesty or by myself satisfied if you prove to me that you are right satisfied if i prove to you that you are wrong nay sire you can but listen to me i am old now and i am attached to everything that is really great and really powerful in your kingdom i am of those who have shed their blood for your father and for yourself without ever having asked a single favor either from yourself or from your father i have never inflicted the slightest wrong or injury on any one in this world and even kings are still my debtors you can but listen to me i repeat i have come to ask you for an account of the honor of one of your servants whom you have deceived by a falsehood or betrayed by want of heart of judgment i know that these words irritate your majesty but the facts themselves are killing us i know that you are endeavoring to find some means whereby to chastise me for my frankness but i know also the chastisement i will implore god to inflict upon you when i relate to him your perjury and my son's unhappiness the king during these remarks was walking hurriedly to and fro his hand thrust into the breast of his coat his head haughtily raised his eyes blazing with wrath monsieur he cried suddenly if i acted toward you as a king you would be already punished but i am only a man and i have the right to love in this world every one who loves me a happiness which is so rarely found 
you cannot pretend to such a right as a man any more than as a king sire or if you intend to exercise that right in a loyal manner you shall have told monsieur de bragelonne so and not have exiled him it is too great a condescension monsieur to discuss these things with you interrupted louis the fourteenth with that majesty of air and manner he alone seemed able to give his look and his voice i was hoping that you would reply to me said the comte you shall know my reply monsieur you already know my thoughts on the subject was the comte de la fere's answer you have forgotten you are speaking to the king monsieur it is a crime you have forgotten you are destroying the lives of two men sire it is a mortal sin leave the room not until i have said this son of louis the thirteenth you begin your reign badly for you begin it by abduction and disloyalty my race myself too are now freed from all that affection and respect towards you which i made my son swear to observe in the vaults of st denis in the presence of the relics of your noble forefathers you are now become our enemy sire and henceforth we have nothing to do save with heaven alone our sole master be warned be warned sire what do you threaten oh no sire said athos sadly i have as little bravado as fear in my soul the god of whom i spoke to you now is listening to me he knows that for the safety and honor of your crown i would even yet shed every drop of blood twenty years of civil and foreign warfare have left in my veins i can well say then that i threaten the king as little as i threaten the man but i tell you sire you lose two servants for you have destroyed faith in the heart of the father and love in the heart of the son the one ceases to believe in the royal word the other no longer believes in the loyalty of the man or the purity of woman the one is dead to every feeling of respect the other to obedience adieu thus saying athos broke his sword across his knee slowly placed the two pieces upon the floor and saluting the king who was almost choking from rage and shame he quitted the cabinet louis who sat near the table completely overwhelmed was several minutes before he could collect himself but he suddenly rose and rang the bell violently tell monsieur d'artagnan to come here he said to the terrified ushers end of chapter nineteen recording by john van stan savannah georgia